spontaneous improvisation, that's another, that's, that's a high form of music. That's a high, that's another form of music when you can put your, your character into it. You know what, I think we all want to be free. I think we all get to ourselves sometimes. So I'm tired of taking orders. I want to do this and I want to do that. Except that freedom is not controllable, you know, by people who want to control you. So they keep you in order, you know? So, so free to me is like, hey, you know, if you want to express something, express it. That's Milford Graves, the late drummer, martial artist, professor, and polymath. The year was 2014, the city Philadelphia, and he was speaking at the oldest barn in America on the grounds of Bartram's Garden. Hi, my name is Mark Christman. I'm the founder, executive director of Ars Nova Workshop. You're listening to Ad Hoc, a podcast that explores the question, why does improvisation matter? Because as a presenter of jazz and especially free jazz, I know that it does. And I can think of no better response to that question than the example set by Milford Graves. I've always admired Milford. I'm inspired by his innovative spirit and his incredible technique. And in the last decade of his life, I had the opportunity to get to know Milford in ways I could have only dreamed of back in 2014 when I presented him in that barn. Milford was much more than a drummer. I've been to his home in Queens, seen his incredible global garden, his laboratory, his dojo. I knew of his deep interest in botany. It's why I decided to present him there at Bartram's garden at the 18th century home of John Bartram, the father of American botany. Milford was also a practitioner of acupuncture and other forms of healing, martial arts, cooking, even cardiac research. In fact, he's credited with being one of the discoverers of heart rate variability, a milestone intervention in understanding how the human heart works. And how did he come to this discovery? By following his own instincts, observing and listening to the world around him. Here's one of Milford's oldest musical collaborators, legendary bassist and composer, William Parker. He just said he was collecting heart sounds. You know, he was collecting heart sounds. Williams is one of the many heartbeats that Milford recorded and studied, looking for keys to the way rhythm works in our bodies. So I just got there and relaxed. And you know, lie on the table and, and, and it just happened. It didn't take that long. You know, I think he had had two apparatuses where he could put the surfaces of the stethoscopes on your body. And I think he improved that over the years. I was pretty relaxed. You know, it wasn't, wasn't like going to the dentist or anything. He recorded my heartbeat. And then maybe six months, I came back out because I was going on the road a lot. You know, sometimes I was there, sometimes I wasn't. He wanted to say, I want you to listen to something. So he, he, he played me the heartbeat. And I said, oh, that's my, that's my bass solo. And I said, well, it's, it's uh, who am I, you know, where'd you get, you know, where'd you get that from? And he says, no, that's not your bass playing, that, that's your heartbeat. And so I was like, wow. It's really connected a lot of things with what I've been thinking all these years and, and the idea of following your heart in your, in your, in your intuitive process 
of how you play and what you play and how connected what you play is to your body. You know, because it really did. I really thought it was a bass solo of mine. My heart had the same phrasing as my bass play. Robert Beeman jumps and makes sports history. Bob Beeman won the 1968 Olympic gold medal for long jump, breaking the world record by more than half a meter, a record that would stand for 23 years. Members of the International Athletic Federation are called in to verify the measurement. 8 meters, 90 centimeters, a new world record. Beeman beats the Olympic record by 78 centimeters and the world record by 55. Bob actually grew up with Milford in the New York Housing Authority's Jamaica houses in Queens. I do think that there's some kind of relationship between the two. I, I always wanted to know from Milford, you produce so many types of sounds, but you know, he just was way out there. In my training, I had to find, uh, no coach really coached me because I had a very unorthodox way of jumping. It's, it's about sound, it's about, uh, about the, the the sound of the feet, and then of course you gotta have the strong mental. You're not stressing out, so it's gotta be. You gotta have your head together, and so it was about how do I find a way of understanding what my ability is, how to use it how to enjoy it, how to love it. I was very innovative and motivated. Um, and those are the same characteristics that I see uh, uh, Milford. It's, it's about how your mind, how your mind can take all of this information in and be able to take every frame and analyze it. And I think that Milford takes every frame and makes it happen. And now it's almost, it's to the point where, you know, it's, it's, it's a natural kind of thing. You know, it became a natural thing for me, the way that I jumped after I understood what I was doing. So I think the same thing with, uh, with Milford. It's, it's about the whole body connecting. whole body connecting. For Bob Beeman, this meant listening to the sounds of his body, the rhythm of his feet. 
Milford described to us back in 2020 how he got interested in exploring the connections between drumming and the sounds made by the human heart. To go over to Barnes and Nobles, and I would go up into the uh, science uh, section and, uh, and just look around. And I, and I saw this recording, uh, and it said, uh, you know, heart sounds, normal abnormal. I said, that sounds fascinating. So I brought this record, and I came home, and I put it on. And I said, I don't believe what I'm hearing. Because most of the rhythms that were on there, I actually were, I played these rhythms through traditional drumming, uh, particularly drumming that was coming from uh, Africa. So I further researched uh, the, the whole origin of African drum rhythms. And it always would pop up that these were indwelling spirits in the human body. That was the beginning of a lifelong journey for Professor Graves. Milford's work on the heart would lead to many sessions like the one that William Parker described. His cardiac research was one of the many facets of his work that we explored in an exhibition called Milford Graves, A Mind-Body Deal. In A Mind-Body Deal, we celebrated his work in botany and acupuncture, his creation of Yara, his own form of martial arts, his sculptures, paintings, drawings, and his extraordinary life in the world of improvised music. These were all part of the holistic practice that became Milford's life. Susie Abaro is one of the many artists who came to see a mind-body deal. Susie is a composer, percussionist, and one of Milford's protégés. So when I was deciding what I wanted to study with Milford, I remember I was at the Vanguard, and I was watching Sun Ra play with a quintet, and Andrew Cirillo was on drums. So they took a break after the first set, and Andrew walked back, and I walked to the back and was talking to him. And I was just this young person. I was, I was just completely straight up. Said, I'm trying to decide if I should study with you or Milford Graves. <laughs> I think now I was like, wow, that's really bold of me. I was a very shy person. And I just said it to Andrew. Andrew's so wonderful. And at the time, he was also super kind to me and said, well, you know, if you study with me, You'll study jazz. If you study with Milford Graves, you'll study about the drum. I was like, thank you very much. Like, that was it. I was, like, really young and just totally into studying drums. It was really um, wonderfully simple that way. You know, I would just go to study drums. And then he would talk. I mean, then, you know, you, you I'd learn about his holistic practice. I did... Um, study some yara with him. I did study herbology. I wasn't like in the dojo like that with them. It was separate and stuff, but I did try these things because I think it's part of his language and how, how he expresses himself and how he developed. Also how it affects his, his music too, his connection to that. You know, every drummer has their, or many great drummers have their way of, of dealing with independence on the instrument because we're always trying to be ambidextrous and independent independent and everybody has their methods and, and practices and uh his was really beautiful to hear that um, sound and how he took it's really his aesthetic and artistic aesthetic of you think of the word uh trap set the contraption right and how he built his contraption and how he built his musical practice with the contraption in his language. 
So that's really inspirational to see how people learn and expand on their own extended techniques, you know, and then really embody it and then they teach it, right? So that's something like if once we embody something and then we can just explain it in the most simple way, then it's like, okay, now we really know it because we feel it and we understand it. Yeah, it was just beautiful, like beautiful music. Preparing a mind-body deal, we began discovering so many other musicians who were inspired by Milford and his work. MacArthur Fellow and pianist Jason Moran was one of them. You've been listening to a recording of Jason improvising a duet with one of Milford's sculptures in the exhibition. Some of these artists were drawn to the way his intellectual curiosity resulted in such profound insights into the interconnected nature of music, the human body, the planet, and the universe. Others were affected just by being in his presence. One of these is Kim Gordon of the band Sonic Youth and then solo projects such as Body Head. She talks here with journalist Jen Pelly about seeing Milford perform for the first time. He really like approached the stage in a certain way, like the space on the stage. Like kind of, I felt like he was uh, kind of entering or conditioning or toning the space in a way almost with his body before he even like sat down to play and kind of circling the drum kit a bit. I've related to it in a weird way. And, um, you know, my brother and I used to um, kind of improvise in my parents' living room with like, just like this drum we had from Taiwan or something and a gong and, and, uh, there was like a upright piano and I don't know, it just felt really transformative. Like it was just, it reminded me of that feeling of getting lost in playing, what it's like to get lost when you play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause you are just completely, you know, hopefully in the moment or, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so you don't feel you lose your kind of orientation in a way. Mm. So you just follow the music, you know, and he was clearly like such a master of like, he just had so much presence and the music, Mm. even the simplest, what he was doing wasn't, it didn't appear complicated. Um, Mm. It was the overall effect was just, incredibly musical, so the music had so much power because of that. That presence also seems to be intimately tied to the many kinds of research and experiments that Milford undertook throughout his life. It was his way of digging deep and being in the world, not just observing it. Yeah, yeah. 
Ewa, who performs as Moore Mother and with her band Irreversible Entanglements, came to the exhibition during the first wave of the pandemic and found an uplifting experience awaiting her. This was like in the heat of the, the lockdown, you know, I haven't even, I didn't even leave my house. So when they called and said, hey, you want to check out this exhibit? I said, of course, but how was it going to be, you know? So I was a bit nervous because, you know, I haven't been out, but they, I was able to go on off hours and it was just like a party, you know what I mean? For my heart because I was able to get all of this inspiration, you know, and to look at it in real time after I've been so like down, you know, it was so uplifting, you know, to just be able to see this art on something that I 100% is inspiration for me, like 100%. And the, the one, for me, on a personal level, the most inspirational thing from that exhibit for me was the videos of Milford in nature. The exhibition featured home videos of Milford practicing Yara. In a beautiful film by our friend Jake McGinsky, Milford Graves Full Mantis, Milford talks about how he became frustrated with trying to learn traditional martial arts forms through traditional means and decided to go even deeper into the roots of the art by observing animals in nature. He jokes in the film that he didn't even want someone's interpretation of the movements of the praying mantis. He wants the full mantis. Working on, you know, the praying mantis technique that he tried to go and get so-called, I'm putting quotation hands up, so-called proper training, you know, and said, actually, I'm going to go to the source. I love the way that he said, I'm going to go to the source and learn this martial art, learn this movement, you know, and once you, when you see him and all martial arts, in my opinion, you see that it's, it's not this fighting and defending yourself. It's one with breathing. It's even past dance, you know, like when you really see people that are, you know, in this practice, you see how they're being innovative with tying the inner and the form together. To me, that's so important because that's me, you know, I want to get more in touch with that without feeling like I need to be connected to all of these things. And he just gave me the motivation to say, go out there, do what you've been doing. It's okay. The form will get better as you keep moving. That, that would gave me the power when I left the exhibit because it was just saying, yes, you can continue to blend your spiritual in the mix. So I was really thinking about my band, Irreversible Entanglements. We're playing improvised music. Honestly, we're, we're just going, you know, straight from our heart. It's all about feeling for us. 
is all the way that we're able to be successful is each of us has to do the work. That's what connects us. If we don't, if we're not coming from all doing the work of studying those who came before us, like we're not going to be good together. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, wow, we all need to see this. So I emailed them right away after I left. Yeah, he's making records, but he's taken it a step further, meaning he's in integrated it with his life. And that's how I do. I'm, my work is not like separate. This is my life. You know, the things that I study, the interest, that's what comes out in my music. We're not looking for permission, but we're looking for that feeling that permission provides. So, you know, that's like that moment between not having courage and having it. You know, that just little moment that just pushes you. You know, just being thankful to Milford, who creates this multiple, you know, interdisciplinary way to come and learn and not just feel settled on one part of the work. Eviction day is here. Eviction day is here. Eviction day is here. Ghosts disappear. I wonder what we gonna do. This seems to be at the heart of Milford's work, his disregard for disciplinary boundaries, his ability to trust his own curiosity. The way he lived his life seems to get back to presence, being able to bring his whole self to the present moment. And that's where we can all learn from Milford. Here's Susie Avar again. He's extraordinary, you know, like an extraordinary genius. But I do think that we all have multiple sides. You know, it's that um, sure, does, does society and the cultures support the fact that we are not these cookie-cutter people and, and this is something you do and this is a hobby, <laughs> you know, or understanding that they're all important and how those balance out and how they mix is very unique to each person. And, yeah, he is one of the ultimate inspirations to see that he know, was not inhibited to <laughs> at all to, to be able to be open and explore that and and develop that and inspire us. But I do think that we all are born with capacity that we could do a lot more to to support that that multiplicity. You know that, that that's actually really what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have these multiple sides, not be just kind of flat. And William Parker seems to agree. He was a genius cat with everything. You know, he was a uh, multi-dimensional person. You know, planting the garden, then taking the herbs and drying them out and making tinctures. He 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 could just do everything. I mean, he, he's a very good cook. It's just quite amazing. And part of that is that okay, if you say, well, why was Milford Graves amazing? 
Did he have a special brain? Did he have a special list, a special uh, anatomy? No. Part of his thing that he was special is that he allowed and listened to his intuitive nature from inside. And that's all it is. And I think that's where all human beings' specialities come in that they're born with is that they have to listen to their inside voice. And then it can be developed from there. In one of the last conversations I had with Milford, I had the chance to ask him a weighty question. What is your biggest wish for your legacy? He didn't have to mull it over or find the right wording. He immediately said, That I can just, I can inspire people. Be able to be as flexible as possible, less controlled as possible. So we can get the maximum of how the planet vibrates as a whole. That's what I want. And I'm saying you owe it to yourself, man, to release a, another kind of freedom that's been given to us by nature. We are indebted to Milford as a leader and an example of this kind of freedom. We want to thank Jake McGinsky, not only for lending us the audio of Bob Beeman, but for his amazing work with and about Milford. We want to thank Jen Pelly for lending us that portion of our interview with Kim Gordon. Both Jen and Kamei are two of the many contributors to Milford Graves of Mind Body Deal, a catalog that documents the original exhibition mounted at ICA Philadelphia by Ars Nova Workshop. That book is being released by Inventory Press, available at our website, arsnovaworkshop.org. Come visit us there. We think you'll find a lot of interesting things to explore, including more about Milford. This episode of Ad Hoc was brought to you by Ars Nova Workshop. Alex Lewis of Rohome Productions is our senior producer. Celeste Nucci is our writer and producer. Jesse Cuddler mixed this episode. Thanks also to Bo Gordon. Original music for Ad Hoc is composed and performed by Chad Taylor and Leah Bertucci. Finally, we want to thank Milford Graves. We miss you every day, Professor. This is Mark Chrisman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>